Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't you close your eyes for just one more second. Dear God, thank you because you give your only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Tonight we are here not just as learners or people that are curious. We're here today, God, recognizing that we need you, that you are the one true and only God, the one who can save us and heal us and restore us. And so we put our lives in your hands tonight, God. We give you our attention and our hearts. If there's anybody here, God, that needs you, I know that you're willing and able to fill their voids and fill their needs. Primarily the need of restoration and salvation. If there's anybody here, God, that is fighting, Lord, to hear your voice, uh, I pray right now that you help them, God, to open up their hearts. Uh, change them, God, please. Hey, listen, if there's anybody here that would like to simply say, God, change me, Lord. Today, this weekend, I need you, God. I've been fighting on my own. I've been wrestling, and I don't want to do that anymore. I need you, Lord. God, I ask you that you hear the prayers of every man and every woman in this place. God, that you please heal them, God. Hear their prayers, God. Hear their cries. Hear their prayers and hear their cries. It is in your name we pray. Amen and amen. 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 Um, I want to share with you uh, something called our greatest opportunity. Our greatest opportunity is not a better job or getting married to a good-looking person or, you know, uh, graduating and getting your master's or your doctorate degree. All these are good opportunities. All these are good things that can happen in our lives. But the greatest opportunity you can have is the opportunity of an encounter with God. There's no greatest opportunity in your life than the opportunity, that encounter that you can have with Jesus Christ. Imagine for just a second that you were to get plugged into the HDMI, to the, to the connection that projects onto those screens. What if I can do that? What if technology advanced enough to where I can just plug you in and we can watch the story of your life? Not all of it, because it would get pretty boring. 25 years of nothing. Just kidding. What if I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. What if we could just watch the highlights or even better, what pop culture likes, the lowlights, the struggles of your life, the things that you don't want to tell people, the things that you did at night where nobody, you thought nobody was looking. Or maybe those things that you're most ashamed of or angry at still. What if we can see the situations you were in that happened to you and that you put other people through? Let me ask you one simple question. What would we need to rate this movie? Would I have to kick Elijah out of this place? Would I have to kick you know, Gianni, all these little kids? Would I have to say, I'm sorry kids, you guys have to exit because we're about to watch something that's rated R or rated MA or even worse, just triple X for some of you guys. What would we say? And I mean, I'm asking you genuinely that question. What would your life story be? See, the longer we live, the more we can tell you, uh, the more we can say, yeah, my story is not one worth watching. Now, I pray that today you can actually understand that there is no coincidence in God. Like, there's no such thing as a coincidence in our king's story. Wherever the enemy has put a period, God put a coma. Whatever you think your life is over, you think it's over, it's done. God is just barely getting going. 
And God brought you here tonight, not just, I'm telling you, not just so you could learn something or appease somebody's conscience. God brought you here tonight because he has an incredible, beautiful, majestic plan for your life. Can somebody please say amen? amen. There's a story in the book of, um, I believe it's in the book of, let's see, let me find it. Before I read you the story, actually, it's in the book of Luke. But I'd like to read you one simple passage. 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the thing done while in the body, whether good or bad. It says, For we all appear at some point or another before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us will one day stand in front of Jesus Christ. And that is not a seat, a seat of, of fun. It's a seat of judgment. And every one of us will render accounts for whatever was on that movie that we just told you we would project. Every one of us would have to say, God, these, is, these are the things that I did. We would have an audit of our lives. And in, book of Luke, in the book of Luke, there's this amazing, amazing story that I believe is going to help us. It's going to bless your life right now. Of a man who was so desperate for Jesus. A man who was so hungry for God. His name was Zacchaeus. Say with me, Zach. All right, cool, because the kills is too long, right? Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there, by the way, it's in the, uh, Luke, if you guys want to write it down, Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and, a man was passing, and, and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, say with me, the spot. I like that. We should change the name of the church. It's called the spot. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and once, at once and welcomed him gladly. This is awesome. All the people saw this and began to mutter or talk smack. He has gone to be in the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Like I said, there's no coincidences, coincidences, help me out with that word, I'm an immigrant, sorry. <laughs> there's no coincidences in God, there's no coincidence. God doesn't say, oh my goodness, what? <gasps> They're here Friday night, what a surprise. Oh, I better be on my best behavior. You see, God brought you, he knew exactly what was going on in your life. I believe that God allows sometimes tough things to happen in our lives so that we can actually turn to the best thing that could ever happen to us. I believe that sometimes depression and pain and sickness we think is the worst thing that could be happening to us. But the worst thing that could happen to you is separation from the one who loves you the most. You see, God allows things to happen so that we can draw near to Him. So, and you may say, oh, that's, isn't that a little sadistic? Absolutely not. Because it is with Him that your best life begins. You see, God loves you so much that he has allowed, he has allowed opportunities for you to come to him. There's this man, Zacchaeus, and he was, the Bible says that he was in such a condition, such hunger, he wanted to see God. He was a tax collector. 
A tax collector is known as a thief, a person back then especially, not now, you know, the IRA, if you work for the IRS, don't get mad at me. But back then these were people, the tax collectors, were people that were cheating their own people out of taxes. You see, they would get the job from the Roman Empire and they would be taught to uh, collect the taxes. And they would just be asked a certain percentage to the Roman Empire. And whatever they collected on top of that, that was their salary. Here, the crazy thing is that they didn't get regulated. So they could charge you 20, 30, 40%. And they would have the whole complete backing of the empire. The worst thing about that is that these were people of the people. And they were ripping off the people. So they were traitors and they were thieves. And Zacchaeus was the chief of these. So he wasn't just a traitor. He wasn't just a chief. He was, he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't just a traitor or, or a thief. He was a chief. Meaning he was good at being a cheater. You know what I'm saying? He was good at being a thief. I was just reminded that Georgie was trying to sell some shoes in Ofrop. And, uh, and Alex, I think you guys got, went to Compton to sell some $600 shoes. Is that true? Yeah. What? Good lord. Why would you sell? Why did you go to Compton? Okay, any cool. Did you sell them? And he took off with your shoes. And Alex took off after him. And some guy pulled out a gun. Is that true? Jeez. Laser sight and everything. Now he started shooting. And thank God there were real bullets. I mean, they couldn't afford real bullets. So they're trying to give you all that. Crazy stuff, right? These guys were just trying to rob you. Imagine these guys were not really that good at it. Now, why did I bring that story up? Because I saw one of you guys sleeping back there. and I don't want you to fall asleep. Now I'm kidding. Because, you see, when you have a life of crime, when you, you're just robbing people, you start losing sensitivity. When you start doing things that at first used to bother you, for example, lying. And then you start lying a little bit more. You become desensitized to it. And you begin to lie more and more and more. Maybe some of you have been struggling in your sexuality. And at first it was just a little bit. And now you're to the point where you're like, I'm not even sensitive to this anymore. But today God gives you an amazing, amazing opportunity. You see these guys like fake money and all kinds of stuff. For shoes they were willing to die. Or for shoes they were willing to go to jail. Now for us that sounds silly, doesn't it? But let me ask you. How, are you, how much is your relationship with God worth to you? Is it some shoes? Is it a hug from somebody? What is it that you're exchanging your life for? I thought it was really crazy, that story, you know, about the shoes and all that. I was like, thank God you got the shoes back and you got your life still. And that was pretty awesome, right? And that teaches you a lesson. Don't sell $700 shoes in Compton at 10 p.m. You know what I mean? But, but, but no, by the way, you, you could take all the precautions. It could happen anywhere. But, but here's one crazy thing is that this man, Zacchaeus, he was a robber. He was a thief. He was the guy that used to rip people off. And one day, he got so hungry for God. What if I told you that no matter where you are, no matter what condition you're in, God can still change your life. Like I can still transform your life. But this guy, Zacchaeus, he was so hungry for God. The first thing that you need to do if you really want God to change you, if you really want God to transform you, to break down chains of depression and sadness and anger and resentment, the first thing that needs to happen is that you need to recognize your condition. I like to, you know, say a phrase that I don't know if people still say it, but say, you better recognize Say with me, you better recognize. You better recognize. You have to be able to recognize your current condition. Because if you do not recognize your condition, no one can help you. Right? It's that pride within you that says, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. I'm doing just fine. Until you're not. We say that pride is like bad breath. You're the last person to find out that you have it. Everybody around you knows that you're prideful. Except the one with the bad breath. Right? And that's really what happens but Zacchaeus was wise enough to say, you know what? I need Jesus. I need God. 
Today, I know that you need God. I know that I need God. We all need Jesus Christ. Somebody please say amen. Amen? We all need Jesus Christ. But the first thing that Zacchaeus had to do is that he had to recognize his current condition. He had to recognize how much he was hurting himself and how much he was hurting people around him. How many of you know that when you struggle with something, your struggle is soon to be other people's struggles? Then when you're hurting, it's really hard not to hurt other people because hurt people hurt people. When you're, when you're sad, when you're mad, it's really hard to receive love. Because as Sigmund Freud said, one of the most famous psychologists who's kind of psycho, he actually said something true, right? Many things. But one of the things he said is a person with a toothache cannot be loved. You cannot receive the love of your family or the love of the people that actually love you because there's pain inside. To have a good relationship with somebody, with a man or with a woman, to have a good relationship with somebody, it takes some kind of health in your heart. It's just a matter of time until the wounds of your life begin to infect other people as well. It's crazy because Zacchaeus was able to recognize his condition. He was able to recognize how much he hurt other people. The second thing that he needed to do, he needed to take some action. I love this story because it describes not just what he did, but it describes to you who he was. Meaning, it describes to us his limitations. It says there that Zacchaeus was very short. Now, if you read the Bible, you're like, man, that's messed up. Luke, why would you point out that he was, you know, vertically challenged? And the reason is because this man was so short. And I love the fact that the Bible says it because you may be thinking, hey, I'm not that short, Pastor. But you may be short on time. You may be short on friends. I don't know. You may be short on, my, on money. You may be short on, hey, humility. You may be short on something, you know. But this man was short, literally physically short. And there were some things that he had to do. He had to overcome obstacles. He had to say, I want God and I'm willing to fight for that blessing. How many of you, without raising your hand, have encountered some opposition for you to be here tonight? Oh, I know if you guys were to raise your hand and maybe a few of you were to come up, you'd be like, hey, you don't even know, Pastor. I lost my job today. You know, this girl that I liked, that she never liked me. She called me this, way, this day. She said, I want to go out with me today. Out of nowhere. Man, I got in a car accident. It wasn't even my car. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh man, my mom, she's always super cool, but today she just flipped the switch. You know, she went bunker, she went nuts. You know, all of a sudden, everything starts going wrong. Whenever you are trying to have an encounter with God, guess who's not going to be happy? The opposition. And so he encountered some opposition. He was, the Bible says that he was so short, and he couldn't see above the crowd. You have to learn to see above the crowd. Hey, listen to what I just said. You have to learn to see above the crowd. Because the crowd many times will not allow you to see Christ. They'll remind you of your shortcomings. The crowd many times will tell you, you cannot change. You will not change. You've been down this road before. You are too short on so many areas. But I love Zacchaeus because he was willing to do whatever it took. He had the desire and he did whatever it took. He fought for his blessing. He began to climb this sycamore tree. Now remember his, his position before his opposition. Meaning he was a chief tax collector. He was a wealthy man. He was a man that, how do I say this? He, he, he I don't know, he had a status in the community even if he was a thief. And he embarrassed himself by climbing a tree like a child. Whatever it took. I can imagine Zacchaeus hanging on to this branch. It's this little skirt thingy that they used to wear back then. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he was wearing jeans. He was, you know, he was showing his, his hairy legs to the world. He was like, yeah. So what? I can see Jesus. So what? I can see Jesus. 
So well, well, you can see me, I can see Jesus. Does that make sense? That this guy was willing to say, I don't care what people think of me. I don't care what, what people will say of me after this. What I care about is encountering Jesus Christ. Somebody please give Sakharano applause, man. That was awesome. If you want to see Jesus, you have to overcome obstacles. And you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. If I was to stop talking right here, right now, and just begin to pray, I would tell you this. Fight for your blessing. You really need to fight for your blessing. Sometimes we don't fight enough for the things that we really, really want. It almost feels like somebody's fighting harder than you for your blessing. Did you know somebody's praying for you? Did you know we have a team, an actual team that's going to be interceding the entire encounter for you? By name, by talks. Every single talk is designed to bless you. And every single talk, the person that's been preparing and praying and fasting, they have told this intercession team, these are the things that I want you to be praying for. Every one of these will be covered in prayer. All of us, we really want you to receive. We have given up so much to be here with you. Don't let anybody else fight harder than you for your blessing. Somebody please say amen. amen. Never let somebody else fight harder than you. You need to be the one that fights for your blessing. Here's the cool thing, that Jesus responds this way. When Jesus reached the spot, I love that. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knew who he was. Now, I don't know if it's because Zacchaeus had ripped Jesus off before or because Jesus just really knew him. All I know is that Jesus knew him. Somebody understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, that God knows your name? Hey, Zacchaeus was known by Jesus. I believe that God knows you by name. I'm going to repeat this. I believe that God knows you by name. You know, the Bible says that there's not even a hair in your body that he doesn't know. That he hasn't counted yet. That he counted your hair. I say that Marcos is really well known by God. A hairy man right here. You know what I mean? Like the Lord knows you so well. He's counted every hair on your body. He knows you so well. I believe that God, he brought you here. And he brought you here for a specific purpose, a specific reason. And that is because you need an encounter with him. He says, the chaos come down because I must stay at your house. You know, God doesn't want a one night stand with you. Let me repeat that. God does not want a one night stand with you. He doesn't want just one night with you of fun and, and great tears and great time. God wants to live with you. He wants to come home with you. Hey, I just said something that I promise you, if you get a hold of it, it will change your life and your family and your generations and the generation that's after that. God wants to come home with you. Why should you leave him behind? Why should you say, God, you stay at church while I go to my house? God says, no, come down from that tree because I want to go to your house. Somebody please give Jesus a hand of praise. See, the desire is mutual. It's not just Zacchaeus trying to encounter God. God is trying to encounter Zacchaeus. I love that. That a God that meets you more than halfway. And I say more than halfway because his steps are bigger. A God who says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And you know when God draws near to you, he's drawing really near. Right? That you say, God, I need you. And he asks you to take a step. And he takes a step towards you. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Zacchaeus wanted to see God. And I wonder at what point did Jesus decide he was going to stay at Zacchaeus' house. I wonder if it was premeditated in heaven. I wonder if there was already this whole story unfolding of the transformation and the formation of this man. I wonder if people already knew 
that this man was meant to do some great things for God. Did you know that today you and I hear of a man named Zacchaeus, 2,000 plus years ago, who climbed the sycamore tree, who was a crazy tax collector, who became a man of God. Why? Because he was hungry for Jesus. This man was known by Jesus. This man was desired by Jesus. You will never be the same again. Let me tell you something that if you don't remember anything in this talk, remember this. When you encounter God, it's like getting hit by a truck. You could never be the same again. Ever again. Man, when you get hit by the presence of God, you will never be the same. You could not walk the same way again. Man, it's like saying, hey, I encountered God. Yeah, but, you know, no, you haven't encountered God. Can I tell you a quick testimony? Just a quick testimony. Yesterday, I went to give my parents-in-law a gift because I wanted to surprise my father-in-law with a, a, a appliances for his kitchen for Father's Day and my mother-in-law for Mother's Day, who just, just passed. Uh, I've been trying to tell the disciples to really, I won't say the disciples, the people, the leaders in the, in the church, to really invest into their parents, to love their parents. I mean, this is family month, right? What a better month to do that, right? And so I went and, you know, I, I don't have all the cash in the world, so I had to do what we had to do, offer up. You know, so I went to offer up, I started looking for, for, you know, something nice. And I found this awesome place, and it was really, really cool. The, I went to this Sandimas, Jorge went with me, and, you know, we, we, we took our car, and I was supposed to buy a stove and maybe, maybe an oven, right, and, uh, and a microwave oven. So I am dealing with this guy. I give him the few hundred bucks, and he tells me, you know, this oven, so I give him a, a little bit more for the oven. And then he's like, yeah, I got this dishwasher. I'm just going to give it to you. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I know that this guy was different. I told Jorge from the very beginning, this guy's Christian, man. This guy... These guys are, are, are they, they know God. And when the wife comes down, you could just sense that something beautiful was going to happen. Like, he began to tell me his testimony. He was telling me that he was this methamphetamine addict. He was a crystal addict. And he was just doing drugs. He lived in Las Vegas. And he was just destroying his life, you know, more and more every single day. And he was just in a deep, dark hole. I asked him if he knew Jesus back then. He said, yeah, I knew about God. But I had never really had an encounter with God. I mean, I'd gone to church, and I'd gone back and forth. And every time I get close to him, I keep on falling back and falling back and falling back. And I said, well, what happened? He said, one time, I didn't even expect it. This is two days ago, okay? I did not even expect it. He said, but God completely, no, it was yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. It was yesterday, right? God completely changed my life. One of these days, the presence of the Spirit of God just took on my heart, and I've never been the same again. I just shared his testimony, and as he came down, you know, we got everything loaded on the car. I said, hey, man, his name is Jeff. Hopefully one day Jeff gets to visit us. He's an amazing man. And so we got to pray with each other. We were praying, and, uh, and he knew, you know, this was a gift from my parents-in-law. And it was really cool because as I got on the car, he shakes my hand. And when he shakes my hand, he does a drug dealer shake where he's got the money in the hand, a you know, little handshake. And he gave me all my money back. I was like, no, 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 man, I've already bought, no, no, it's already purchased. He's like, no, it's not from me. Just tell your parents-in-law it's a gift from heaven. And I was like... I wanted to cry. I'm not playing. I was like, yeah, give him a round of applause. Why not? So I'm driving. Jorge's driving. We're just like, what the heck just happened? Like, this is amazing. And this is a man, after having some time to talk to him yesterday, he's just been blessing people left and right. God has over-blessed him. He's a beautiful house in San Dimas. Like, he doesn't, I'm telling you, he's over-blessed, like super blessed. And, and what he does, honestly, he tells me, I just go around. I just want to bless people. I said, so what do you do? He's like, well, I work for one family, and that family just blesses me, man. They, I was like, what do you mean work? Yeah, I do construction. You do all this, get all this from construction. Yeah, it's one rich family, and they just bless me a lot, and, and I get to do all these beautiful things for God, and I'm not tied to anybody. I just really just go and bless people. I was like, wow. 
That's really cool. So you go from being a meth addict to being addicted to blessing people. And it's so, such a beautiful transformation. And I, I was thinking back at this. I was preparing this talk. I'm thinking, that's a modern day Zacchaeus. And I wonder what your life would look like if the Spirit of God took you from a person who might be self-centered or angry or sad or, or lonely or depressed. What if God could make you addicted to blessing other people? What if God could make you addicted to the presence of God? What if instead of being addicted to approval, you'd be addicted to the love of God? Am I making sense? Like what if, what if Zacchaeus, just as this man was addicted to finances and money and just eating you know, all for himself and ripping people off. What if he was, you know, instead of that, he became addicted to Jesus Christ. And that's a darn good addiction if you ask me. This man that I met blessed my life, blessed my family. And I pray this testimony has blessed you. Now, by the way, I put it, I installed it all the same day. And I put like happy Mother's Day, happy Father's Day. And then I put happy Son's Day or something. I don't know. Happy, because yeah, I didn't have anything else. It was three appliances now too. And so it was really, really cool because as I share this testimony with them, I share this testimony with you. I wonder what testimonies will be told about you. And it replace the name Jeff. And I'm not talking about just blessing people with through offer up. I'm talking about blessing people, period. Your wife, your husbands, your children, the people around you. Zacchaeus became from a thief to a blesser. Four times he repaid whatever he owed. Check this out. He was never the same again. Jesus said, certainly salvation has come to this house. Revelation 3.20 says, 3 says, Here I am and I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I stand and I knock at the door. And if anybody hears me and opens the door, I will come in and I will be with that person. And they will be with me. Today is an amazing day to say, Lord, I want to open the door of my life to you. I want to be completely, utterly, just completely transformed. I don't want a piece of you. I want you whole. I don't want to be just half-hearted. I don't want to be a part-time believer. I want to believe all the way. Please, if you're anywhere in a titter-tatter, if you're anywhere in a place where you're going back and forth and you're on the fence in your life, today's a great night to say, Lord, all in. I'm completely in. Whatever it takes, God, I'll climb trees. I'll embarrass myself if I have to. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll jump over people. I'll do whatever it takes, God. But I need you. You see, it takes a real desperation for some things. You will never know. I'm telling you this. You will never know the fullness of God until you know your true desperation for him. You have to know. Mother Teresa said, you never know God is all you have until God is all you need. You never know God is all you need until God is all you have. You'll never know God is all you need until God is all you have. Can you say, God, all I need is you. I want you, God. Tonight, I desperately, desperately need you. Let me finish with this. When I read this, and I read that in that spot. It was about that spot. It says in the, in the, the verses that we just read, it says, when Jesus reached that spot. When Jesus reached that spot. There's something so powerful about a specific location where God wants to bring you to and where God wants to encounter himself. Sometimes we don't realize it, but there are moments and there are places that God has designed to encounter you. Listen, please. I don't know if you can grab the severity of that verse, the importance of that verse. When Jesus reached that spot, Zacchaeus was there to meet him. Where Jesus is. You must also be. 
Sometimes we think that life is just a bunch of things that will one day add up. No, life is a bunch of small events that are important, each one in it of themselves. Today is so important. Right now it's so important. Never undermine the power of five minutes. Never undermine the power of one minute, the power of one word from God that can radically change your entire being. Man, there's a power in one moment. I remember one time I got this free trip to Europe. And I thought it was awesome. I had gone through Germany. I'd gone all over the place in Europe. And it was all free and paid for. But I felt in my spirit that I needed to be somewhere. There was this conference happening in LA. And we were about to see Paris. We're going to see the Louvre, the Mona Lisa. We're going to see the Eiffel Tower. We were so excited. But I began to feel this nudge in my heart. You need to come home. You need to come home. Listen, everything was paid for. And I didn't have much money. And so what I did is I used every single resource that I had. And I began to buy tickets of like, of, you know, planes. I, I changed my plane ticket, which was super expensive. I, I took ferries. I took, you know, the little boats. I took a train. I took a cab. I almost rode a donkey. Like I took everything. And I'm telling you, I, I didn't even speak the language. I was just trying to get back. Because the next day, or the two days from then, would be the conference. And so I fought so hard to get back. I invested everything I had. And I arrived exactly. I remember that a plane landed around 6, 628 or something like that. By the time I got unloaded, everything, got everything out, the conference started at 730. Thank God that conference started late like, you know, sometimes it does. And I got there on time. And can I tell you this? I reached the spot. I got to the spot where Jesus was. My life was never the same again. In that conference, it was the first time I got to interpret for the people that I admire so much. There was this pastor, he was, uh, he was from Atlanta, and uh, Bishop Johnson, his name is. Man, is this fiery old, uh, you know, brother preacher. He was awesome. I remember the analogy he gave of the elephant. And I want to tell you that story because I believe it encompasses, it embodies what God is going to do this weekend. You see, I reached that spot. And Jesus was there waiting for me. And he opened up a way for me to get to know some amazing, amazing people that eventually poured into my marriage and into this ministry. So this guy was telling the story of this huge elephant. Abraham talking like this. And I was translating. And so when he was translating, I was doing this. My first time translating in front of so many people. And he was saying how this big beast of an elephant, right, is being held by this tiny little cord. And this tiny little cord is held to a peg on the ground. And of course, some of you guys might have seen like this story on Facebook or something. It was before all that for me. I had never even, I think I still had like MySpace or something. But I remember I was standing next to this big man and I was just listening to him. And when he was talking about this elephant being so powerful and this elephant cannot break out of this tiny little rope and this tiny little peg holding it to the ground. And when he was telling the story, he was saying how this elephant is so strong, so mighty, like there's no way that rope can hold him. And even if the rope can hold him, there's no way the stake could hold him. He was saying the reason why those elephants get caught there is because when they're little, when they're small, they get beat. They get tied and they cannot let go because they're still too small. You see, they're not strong enough. And so they get tied and every time they get try to pull off, they get beat. And so they start being afraid of pulling off. And every time they try to pull off, they realize, hey, I'm not strong enough. I can't pull off. Besides, I'm going to get beat. And so over and over, this little elephant fails and fails and tries to get loose and tries to come and, and just have freedom. And he can't. 
And as I was standing up there, listen. And I'm standing next to this man. I remember him rocking back and forth. He says, and God has given you amazing strength. God's created you to live a life of freedom. And there's tiny little cords in your life holding you back, stopping you from being what God called you to be. If you could only realize the power that God gave you, you could only realize what God has already given to you, you would break so free. He says, but the bondages that are there are bondages in your mind. They're bondages of failure. And in this weekend, I believe God will release you from failure. I believe God this weekend will set you free from so much pain. Man, from brokenness, from, from, man, from resentment, from sadness, from weird thoughts that the enemy's placed in your life and in your mind. You're worth so much. You're so mighty in the Lord. And I know that God's going to set you free. You see, when I received the same message you're receiving right now, my life completely changed. I began to see myself as a different kind of man. Although I knew God wanted to use me, that day I thought, God can use me all over the world. He can use me tremendously. And can I tell you this? I promise you one simple, simple thing. If you arrive to the spot where Jesus is, everything will change. Today, I believe this is the spot. This is the spot. When he reached that spot. Would you meet Jesus here today? Would you have an encounter with God this weekend? And just say, Lord, whatever it takes. I will not let anybody get on my way. I will not let anything get on my way. I'll climb whatever I need to climb. I'll do whatever I need to do. Close your eyes with me, please. And let's pray. Stand up for a second if you don't mind. I know you've been sitting down for a bit. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would show you your current condition. There was one time I was praying at this prayer chapel in APU. And I felt like I was going to die, man. I felt like I was so filthy, so horrible. And it wasn't one thing in particular. It was just God was there. I believe God is here today. There are two reactions when you're in front of God. One, to recognize your current condition. You're a sinner. Two, awe and worship. You're here. And I just invite you that you would tell God, I recognize my condition. God, I realize that I need you, that I'm broken. God, I want you to please intervene in my life. Intervene in my life, God. Change me, transform me, God. Lord, I need you more than ever before. If you're here today, ask God to help you fight for your blessing. Ask God to give you the grit, the strength, the, the resilience, the, the determination that you will change. If you're a father or you're a mother, ask God to help you change that you would impact your generations after you. Man, if you're here today and, and you know the enemy's toyed with you, he has played with you, tell him, God, I don't want to be the enemy's toy anymore. Lord God, I don't want to be the enemy's chew toy. God, I ask you to change my life, Lord. God, I ask you to break the bondages in my mind and in my heart. God, please set me free this weekend. God, give me vision for my life. Lord, please restore my heart. Restore my mind. God, please help me overcome. Let me pray for you. Jesus, this is the spot. This is the spot. We recognize the importance of this weekend. We recognize the importance of tonight. Some people have had to travel thousands of miles to be here tonight. Some people have had to overcome financial difficulties and permissions and even jobs that were not giving them permission. Some people here had to truly get people angry at them because they wanted to pursue you. God, I pray that you value, and I know you do, their efforts. That you could see them climbing trees, God, 
That when somebody here gets tired and somebody starts getting distracted, that they can say, forget that. I'm going to climb this tree because I want to see Jesus. That when somebody here, God, starts feeling restless or, or starts feeling like something may not apply, that they say, forget that. I will climb this tree. I will not let this stop me. God, I pray right now that people here would be hungry and thirsty. That they would say, God, no matter what, I will encounter you. God, I thank you because in a place like this, in a place such as this, God, you move. You move in your house. You move freely, Lord. Thank you because this is not church. These are church. These people are your church, God. This is your body. I pray that you heal it, God. I pray that you would heal it, that it would go and heal thousands of people. God, that we will not just be satisfied by receiving, but God, that this body of yours can go and impact nations. Dear God, I thank you so much because I believe that today marks the spot. Right here, right now, God, you have arrived. You're in this place, God. And we are here and we're hungry for you. And we want you, God. We want you more than ever. We believe, God, that sadness will leave, God. We believe, God, that depression will be broken. That oppression will have to go away, God. That oppression will have to be overcome by the Spirit of God. God, we know that you're working in people's lives tonight. I pray for one last thing, God. And I pray, God, that just as Zacchaeus had to overcome his own pride and his own ego and say whatever it takes. I pray, God, that you give people here the ability to say whatever it takes. I don't care what happens. I don't care what people say. It is you and it is me. This weekend belongs to us, God. To no one else, it belongs to us. And if this entire encounter, God, was made for just one person, I pray that the person that hears my voice would believe and know that it's just for them. It is just for you, God says. It is just for you. If it was just you in this room, I would still have all these 40 people that have been fasting and praying and working and cleaning and preparing just so that you could receive an encounter with Jesus. Just so that you could receive. Dear God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for what you're about to do. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Give God a round of applause. Come on.